Welcome to the second season of the Duck Industry Podcast. Like in 2020, the podcast was realized in collaboration with the What's Up with Docs podcast and the programmers of Color Collective. Join us for discussions on topics such as the limited representation of brown LGBTQ plus stories in the cinematic space, the lack of inclusivity in the mainstream press, and the possibilities of Caribbean avant-garde cinema. The Doc Industry Podcasts are funded by Creative Europe, the City of Leipzig, MDM, and BKM. Thank you to our partners and collaborators for their contribution. Enjoy! Hello and welcome to the panel discussion for Doc Leipzig, Germany. Uh, I'm Sridhar Rangayan, uh, the Festival Director of Kashish Mumbai International Queer Film Festival and also a filmmaker. And I'm really, really proud and privileged to curate and moderate this wonderful panel discussion about brown lives to the fore, lack of representation of brown LGBTQ plus stories. And today we have three amazing panelists. I'm going to introduce them in some time. But uh, I just want to introduce what the panel is going to be. Over the past decade or two, we have seen an upsurge of LGBTQ plus focused films occupying the mainstream space, both internationally and in India too. Especially in web series, there have been greater representation of the LGBTQ plus spectrum. But mostly white and black communities are being represented. And we wonder, where are the brown LGBTQ plus stories? Stories about South Asian LGBTQ plus communities. They're missing largely from the mainstream cinematic space. Not that they have not been produced from my beautiful laundry to fire to, frankly, I can't even think of any recent ones, but we'll discover them during this discussion. There have been amazing queer South Asian filmmakers like Pratibha Parmar, Nisha Ganatra, Sonali Gulati, Shonali Post, Shamim Sarif, Rituparno Ghosh, and Onir, who have consistently made LGBTQ plus focused films, but most of them have remained as independent or art house films. How do we break out into the mainstream space? What is stopping South Asian LGBTQ plus stories from coming to the fore? We will find out today in this panel discussion with three eminent and still emerging, all of us are still emerging, South Asian filmmakers and artists. So I'm going to just introduce the uh, panelists right now. Uh, Ashit Khan is a multiple award-winning Canadian filmmaker who wears many hats. He's a writer, director, production designer, and film programmer with several long and short-form films to his credit. After great success with its autobiographical film, Abu, which we screened at Kashish, uh, Khan is currently developing his first fiction feature with support from Telefilm Canada and Sodec. His feature documentary film, Abu, is screened at over 75 film festivals and won 17 international awards across the globe. Congratulations, Abjit. He's a recipient of the Inspirit Foundation grant and several Canada Council and Quebec Arts Council grants, as well as a recipient of the Mel Hoppin School of Cinema Award for Outstanding Overall Achievement in Film Production Program. Khan is also film festival director of the Mosaic International South Asian Film Festival and a programmer for the POC, Programmers of Color, Color Collective, an international body of BIPOC film festival programmers from all the top film festivals around the world. Welcome, uh, Arshad, for the panel discussion. Thank you so much for having me, Shadar. And next up is Kalki Subramaniam, uh, who is an Indian transgender activist, artist, poet, actor, and writer. Kalki is the founder of Sahodri Foundation, an organization which works for the social, political, and economic empowerment of transgender people in India. Kalki's debut in Indian film uh, happened with Nartaki, an offbeat Tamil film about the life journey of a transsexual woman, her quest for happiness, love, and finding her identity and true happiness. She became the first transgender actor in India to do a lead role in a major motion picture. She recently released a book, We Are Not the Others, 
the one of a kind book, which is a collection of poetry, essays, monologue, conversation, and art. On March 8, 2015, International Women's Day, Facebook chose Kalki as one of the 12 inspiring women of the world who use Facebook as a community development platform for empowerment. In 2016, Kalki was nominated by L'Oreal Paris India as a woman of worth under the arts category. Welcome Kalki to the panel discussion. Hi Sridhar, uh, good evening from India. And thank you so much for inviting me, dear Sridhar. Thank you for joining in Kalki. Brilliant. Yeah. Next up is Sonal Gyani, who is a public speaker and activist, diversity and inclusion trainer, actor and a filmmaker. As part of her work that spans more than a decade, she has done sensitization sessions for various stakeholders, including but not limited to corporate houses, workspaces, law enforcement agencies, educational institutes, lawyers, politicians, influencers. She has featured in numerous documentaries, films, and television shows. These include ZTV's primetime television show, Connected Humtum, Bollywood film W, and documentary Purple Skies. She has co-founded the following initiatives, Yaria, one of India's largest youth collectives, Umang, a support group for lesbians, bisexual women, and transmasculine persons based in Mumbai, and Q Family, an online pride store. As part of her work, she has been awarded the Diversity Leadership Award by the World HRD Conference in 2016 and the Quirio Award by Six Degrees, an LGBT growth network. She has featured on the Better India's list of eight inspiring Indian LGBT individuals, rainbow list of 20 LGBT role models by Cosmopolitan, and India's eight LGBT role models under 30 by GAC. Wow. Thank you. So That's much. great. <laughs> Thank you, Sridhar. I'm delighted to be here. I'm very excited that I'm on a panel with Arshad and Kalki. I think they are role models. Very delighted to be here with them. Awesome. It's so a pleasure to meet you. Yeah. My first question would be to Arshad. Your film Abu has been a huge festival circuit success, having screened at 75 film festivals and won 17 international awards across the globe. How challenging was it to make the film? right from conception to production to distribution. It must have been a task. Uh, please let me know what has been the process for that. Well, um, thank you once again for having me on this really amazing panel. I feel like I'm among giants, especially because you, Sridhar, Sonal and Kalki, you live in India and you have been fighting for human rights, very basic human rights. And your struggle is infinitely much more greater than mine who I and I happen to live in um, you know Canada you know where there's not the constant danger of death but I am from Pakistan as you know and Pakistan is far 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 behind uh, so much so that you actually do not ever hear of any openly LGBTQIA plus Pakistani filmmakers uh, who are actually living in the country can only speak up when you leave the country. Um, the reason I preface with that is because I recognize my privilege and I want to use my privilege to uplift the voices of the completely, not just underrepresented, but invisible because homosexuality is still punishable by death in that primitive country, I'm sorry to say, um, and so the war that you have led and won against Bill 377 is really uh, enormous and really inspiring for the world, but especially for Pakistan. And I can speak on behalf of Pakistan on this. The reason why my film was so important is because 
when I was making it, there was no Me Too movement and there was nobody talking about these issues, especially of queer intersectional Pakistani Muslims. And also there was no conversation around sexual childhood sexual abuse or that kind of issue. So I was treading very uncharted waters and I feel that that made the film all the more important and urgent. And I really thank you, Shadar, for being a champion for the film. Uh, Arsha, like, uh, tell us, like, I mean, how, uh, uh, how difficult was it to find uh, uh, basically the resources to make Abu? You know, uh, it must have taken many years for you to make the documentary. Uh, did you find collaborators easy to come by? Uh, did you produce it yourself? Yes, it was actually very challenging to make the Abu film, firstly, because it is so deeply personal. And as I mentioned previously, there was nothing like it that existed at the time. When I made a three-minute short just for a competition, I had so much to say, you know, you and I, all of us, um, Kalki and Sonal, we all have so much to say, uh, so much of with media has, is really lacking our representation of people like us. So I had so much to say. I made a three-minute clip and I really got very frightened. I made it for this Cuban hat um, competition, which takes place at the uh, RIDM Documentary Film Festival in Montreal. And um, I got very frightened after I made the three minute clip because I was outing myself to the world and to my family and friends and so on. And we are very concerned about how, what people would think, for example, in Pakistan, where I do often go and my family still lives there. So. I made that clip and then with that clip, I was able to get um, some funding and I was able to raise, I was able to do a fundraiser, Indiegogo, very successful Indiegogo campaign. And then I was able to get some Canada Council seed funding. And as the money came in, I kept working on the film and I would work on it. Then I would stop when the money would run out. And then, you know, so slowly I kept building the project. I kept re getting rejections, but then I kept applying and then I got a Quebec Arts Council grant. And I pretty much made the structure of the film and the film got pretty much, you know, structurally editing wise put together by the time that I submitted, you know, and got shortlisted for, for Sundance. And that was amazing because then all of a sudden Canadian uh, other bo film bodies took notice of the project because before that none of them were on board. Then the National Film Board of Canada came on board, Telefilm Canada came on board, Canadian Media Fund came on board, and the CBC Television came on board. And that just like propelled the project forward. And I was able to, uh, you know, complete it in the way that I had intended the film to be finished. But it was, it took me five years to make this film. I can totally understand. My own film, Breaking Free, took almost like seven years to make the film. Uh, it's an 80 minute film, but like it took forever. And then, I mean, it's, it, uh, documentaries are complicated because you're following a journey. Sometimes you're landed up with 500 hours of footage and you don't know how to put them together. You know? But uh, congratulations on Abu. Uh, coming to Kalki, uh, basically Kalki, like, I mean, uh, you have been one of the four, forefront activists for transgender rights, done so much of work. But uh, today we're going to be speaking about you primarily as an actor. Uh, who basically uh, was one of the first uh, transgender actor to come out uh, and play a part in a mainstream uh, film like Nartaki. Uh, how did the role come to you? And what was your reaction when 
they said that uh, we want a transgender person to play a transgender part. Most of the times, in most of the uh, films, basically, uh, the transgender parts are played by either male, uh, male actors or female actors, and that's a huge problem. And here, yes. finally, Nartaki basically has a transgender actor. So how did the part come to you, and what was the experience? The problem with uh, uh, Bollywood and all the Southern Indian film industry, which is, uh, of course, Hollywood, Tollywood, Mollywood, as we call it, you know, the problem with this, when it comes to the LGBTQI issues, they're all the same. They're all very stereotyped. They have their own cis narrative uh, scripts that they write. And when it comes to trans scripts, uh, trans characters and all that, they have their own uh, ideas that a trans person is like this, like that. They are, they are uh, stupid and they are sexual uh, maniacs and all, all these Nonsense have been come out again and again and again in films. Until the 90s, there's not even one film that has really portrayed a transgender person in a very dignified way. And that came after Mani Ratnam in Bombay. And after that, a number of films did come. In Nartiki, it was, uh, why Nartiki is special, my film is special, I would say. Um, it's because it is a biographical film of a transgender person. It's a complete biography film right from childhood to her adulthood, her struggles, her rejection in the family, her success in the society, her career. It's basically about that. I, the role actually came to me through an interview. Um, I had uh, I had been an IVLP fellow invited by the government of the US. I toured the US, Washington, New York, and all that. When I came back, a leading Tamil magazine, Ananda Vigadan, interviewed me. It appeared in the magazine, and then I got this role. The director wanted me to cast her. She has been looking for a, a person for more than five years, and she wanted to cast a transgender person. So that is the first time in Tamil movie for a trans role, a trans person was cast. And uh, I played an entire movie. I play uh, throughout the story, I'm there. And the movie got many awards and rap reviews across. Since then, there's, there's been a trend to use trans persons for trans characters. But sometimes um, <clears throat> there are lead actors who play trans characters, but it always goofs up. I've seen movies in which uh, non-trans actors play trans roles and it doesn't really go with, the, with us, the community people. Because again, there is some sort of... Uh, body language and stereotypes and all that. And that is why it is so essential that we play our character too. On the basis, it's like, why shouldn't a man play a transgender or why should a female play a transgender? Yes. But when, the, when there are lots of transgender people who are equally talented and who are denied opportunities, we seek that chance, that opportunity be given to us. So that was given to me. And I want our community also to have more opportunities than the cis cisgender actors. Yeah. So uh, was a uh, was a film based on your life story, or it was a different story where you have to enact everything per se? Uh, I would say, even though the character of that movie and uh, the character, my character in the movie was also named Kalki because my character. My director liked my name, so she basically took that name to the film too. But it was not my story. It is a typical story of a trans person when they come out in their teen, how most trans people are rejected by their families, how they end up with the hijra community, how they go for begging and sex work, and then they fall in love with a man, 
and then they re they get rejected, exploited, and all that. It's actually a true narrative, but the but the protagonist of the film fights, fights, and comes out of all these uh, uh, fall downs. That is the story, and that story itself is a true narrative because that is what happens in real life uh, for many trans persons. We fail in love and romance because Indian men, they have this idea about a female that uh, we, should, we should have the ability to give birth, reproduce and all that nonsense, you know. So we aren't like that. I mean, we have dreams, but we cannot satisfy each and everything that an Indian male uh, desires because um, I think as trans women, we are much more free and liberal than cis women in this country. And uh, nobody asked me, are you married, Kalki? You're 45, why are you not married? Don't you have children? Nobody asked me now. But they asked my sister and my nephew, and if they don't marry and if they don't have children, it's a problem with the society. But if a trans woman doesn't marry, it's not a problem for them. So I think I would say we are in, in more sense, transgender women are much more liberal in India and in elsewhere than cisgendered women in many aspects. That's a very interesting point. We're going to come back and discuss that particular aspect per se. Yeah. Uh, going to Sonal per se. Uh, Sonal, you have done many hats as an activist, diversity and inclusion trainer, actor and a filmmaker, very, very diverse roles. Uh, which do you find the most uh, easiest and which is the most challenging, you know, out of these roles? That's a very tough question. It's very situational. But I think like the easiest so far has been activism uh, because it's been some years of experience. The most satisfying is filmmaking. And I think the most challenging is acting. Uh, I think <laughs> acting is more challenging because there's a certain vulnerability required and it's a kind of performance at the end of the day. Filmmaking is most uh, satisfying because I think I love collaborative projects and there's a chance to work with creativity and I think like in the space of activism I've not been like I think like I'm finding my balance with uh, films you know and it's it's interesting to see where I can marry both of them. Right and uh, how has been your filmmaking journey? Uh, you've made basically short films and a lot of them are documentary short films, primarily. You've made a couple of narrative short films. How difficult has it been finding uh, resources, basically finding money to make it, or finding people to participate in your projects? Mm -hmm. uh, I think like funding has always been a challenge. It's been quite difficult. And, you know, at a point, I think like three, two or three years back, I sort of decided funding or no funding, one has to make the film, you know? So if maybe that is my truth, my truth is I have to be a budget filmmaker and that's how I'm going to sort of make films. And so that's why, that's what I sort of did because I was like, I need to make something like, you know, it's, it's not, I'm not able to feel, I think, uh, at peace without making something, right? But I think like in the last two years, I've been sort of waiting that, no, there needs to be a little more funding so that you know, the quality of the film also improves because, you know, after testing and making films, you sort of also feel creatively that you want to go to the next level, which is where you feel like, okay, I want more funding. But I think that funding has been quite challenging, to be very honest. So um, challenging because I will say that, so for me, for, for me personally, I don't have an academic background in filmmaking. 
it's mostly been that i have been assisting people and then i decided to start making films the only academic background i had was that i went for a film appreciation course uh that's about it but beyond that i've really assisted and uh, done that with uh, you know just got on the job so i think like getting grants that way because you're not connected to the scene in the way that maybe a film student would be or a film community would be that's why i think like for me personally it's been um kind of challenging uh but also i find that you know there are the grants which come for queer films are very few and far in between and what i am finding is that the grant even if it is on a lesbian story sort of goes to a gay man who's making a film about lesbians so uh not to be like not to say that they won't make a great film or that they don't deserve to get the grant but i think like the pool is kind of very limited so within that uh, it becomes difficult so my way out of this has been that uh, have been looking for like angel investors or people to personally invest in the film and i have had more uh, i think i have had more success there where when i am wanting to make a story which is light and entertaining on queer women i have funding from queer women otherwise i feel like like you know there's a kind of push to make a film that is pandering to a heterosexual audience meaning that i mean i show you the violence i show you the you know so that oh, a straight person gets that how difficult the life of a queer person is but i think i want to also tell stories and i think that's important not like not taking it away but moving beyond that and saying okay like now as a queer person what does dating look like what are the challenges maybe in dating what can love look like what is the possibility i also like feel i feel like i want to make more uh, some things which are happy as well you know so but it becomes a bit challenging for to tell people oh i want to make a happy film people don't want to fund that like give me violence give me you know this that so it's been a little bit easier i think with you know approaching people individually and i think because also i'm just starting out i've really just made short films about seven eight of them uh i want to make bigger films now it's a bit challenging to kind of jump into a bigger one without uh, support but i think like like as like i began right i want to do it so bad that money or no money i am going to like do it yeah i think like people don't want to uh, see very happy films of lgbtq people they want angst ridden why am i like this what am i uh, where am i going what is the society beating me up i know what you mean by that like we just need more happy films for sure uh, arshad like i mean how challenging is it for south asians to make the films even in a country like canada which is supposed to be an equal opportunity uh, country you know uh, do south asians get enough opportunities to make films why don't we see enough south asian content coming out of uh, canada um so actually canada is uh, doing really quite well in my opinion for example cbc television has just launched a new show called um sort of starring and created by bilal beg who is a non binary um actor and writer and theater writer who had a very very uh, successful theater play in toronto as well so that show is uh, making waves and they also have um you know people like zarka nawaz who made the show called little mosque on the prairie and also they had a very big mainstream uh, comedy that became very successful called shits creek and it had one of the characters 
who was, uh, you know, Rizwan Manji played the real estate agent and, and it was one of the main, one of the important characters in the show. So there's, there's a more, you know, nobody hands you rights or privileges on a platter. You have to fight for them. And, you know, like over, I don't know what the expression is, but you really just have to really fight for your rights and you have to get them and you have to raise awareness. And in Canada, for example, um, I'm doing my part with my collaborators as MISAF. And then there's other festivals like Real Asian Film Festival, Real World, VSAF, you know, and, and Montreal South Asian Film Festival. So a bunch of us are, you know, showing the content of Canadian South Asian uh, creators and trying to uh, uplift and amplify these voices. And uh, getting into the mainstream is, is tough, but there is, uh, you know, there is a way that we are finding in towards the, you know, better representation. Um, I just wanted to also address what Sunal said, which is true, that, you know, cis voices or cis males or gay cis males are occupying the space far more than they should be. And there needs to be equity in the way that the funds are disseminated and Lesbian stories need to be told by anybody, sure, but definitely by lesbian filmmakers and trans. And Kalki is saying that trans actors need to be working as well and making, you know, their own films and also um, acting in their trans roles. And that's, I think, that's really, really wonderful that that's happening. I'm really excited about this time in in the world. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing those views. Uh, Kalki, I just want to find out, like, um, how difficult is it for transgender people to find a foothold in film and media industry? If tomorrow you want to do a documentary film, how difficult is it to find uh, uh, resources or collaborators? Or in fact, like people who are skilled enough, like suppose you want to build an all-transgender crew to do the film, you know? Do you, do you think you'll be able to find a crew members uh, who are trained? Uh, or do we need to do skills building for them? I think that's a very beautiful question and that is exactly happening right now in my life. But before that, I wanted to say that it's so fascinating to listen to Arshad and Sonal because their stories are very inspiring. And uh, it inspires me to break the struggles as well because I feel that both of them have struggled and they have succeeded. And it inspires me as more than an actor, it inspires me to be a filmmaker too which is exactly what right now I've been trying to do. I mean, in my 11 years of activism, I have been um, introduced to hundreds of people, but there were three, four, five, almost like 10 people was very special, my friends. And three out of that, like two of them committed suicide and one, one person was murdered in, in my friends list. And this has actually affected me so much in the past 10 years their loss and these are people who were not celebrities nobody knows them they were just ordinary beautiful women trans women um, and i have footage of their dreams their life their you know times with them and all that i wanted to collect all those footage and make a film on all these three women as one one film uh, but i've been it's, it's been just so difficult for me to find, you know, a, a financier for the film because they think that uh, they have their own, you know, stereotypes about why should we tell these stories about 
three people who are not there anymore. And that really breaks my heart because I value their life. I know how much they have struggled. And for me, it is important to tell their stories because why did they die? Uh, why was one person murdered? And what is what, what was behind that? Why was it easy for somebody to kill her? And why, why did my friends chose to die? These are stories that need to be heard. It's not only the pride, the celebration, the rainbow, the songs, the dances, the successes that we hear. It's also important to know the history and the struggles that my friends, unknown friends, went through and how much they have sacrificed also for the movement, these unknown people. For me, it's personally important and for the movement as well. Uh, as an activist, for me, it's, it's my duty to tell their stories. So I've been trying to pitch in with the pitch local organization and private funders and all that. Nobody's ready to finance it because I, I just need five or six lakh rupee only because I almost have 50% of footage. And what I need is I need to film uh, their friends, family and all that. And then I need to edit post-production and all that. But I don't have the money and it's so difficult for me to find. Uh, I even... Last week, I put a campaign on milab.com, you know, milab.org, and then nobody was, you know, it didn't do well. It didn't even start, first of all, because I, I don't have a campaign manager, and uh, it was difficult for me to do that, so I canceled that campaign as well. So that dream of mine is difficult. So for a trans filmmaker, I mean, it could be somehow with struggles, you can find roles for trans people somehow, somehow, not every time. But to be a trans scriptwriter or to be a trans creator is very difficult. I know my friend Gazelle is a scriptwriter, but she's still struggling to be uh, in a mainstream uh, successful scriptwriter. She's brilliant, but she's struggling. At the same time, as a a documentary film producer who is also an activist, I am struggling too. And there are hundreds and thousands of stories like me that need to be told yet are stuck with, with, without, um, without finances and because of prejudices and stereotypes that exist uh, with the funders, also with the supporters sometimes. So that, how are we going to break that? How are we going to how are we going to make sure that uh, uh, as a transgender filmmaker my voice is not silenced? Uh, these are things, these are challenges. I am trying to explore, study, and it's a tremendous job. But I'm ready to fight. Yeah, I totally understand. Like I mean, the, where you are situated right now, uh, it's very complicated to find funding for uh, documentary. And also, like, I mean, also, like, they'll say, what have you done before? Whenever they want yeah. to give a funding, yeah. they'll say, what film yeah. have you made before? Do you have a portfolio to show? And that becomes a, uh, the starting point is always difficult. I just want to ask you uh, this particular question. Um, there are films on gay and lesbian and transgender uh, stories, but bisexual stories are hardly anything at all. Whether male bisexuals or female bisexuals, I've not seen them at all. So what, what is the stigma about bisexuality? You are a bisexual activist. You're a bisexual filmmaker. Uh, where does the stigma come from? I mean, like the, the representation that I'm seeing of a, the bisexual woman is a married bisexual woman. So there's this new web series 
that is very pretty popular in india it's, it's the title itself is a married woman and uh, wherein you know the protagonist is a woman who is in a marriage and she falls for uh, you know a, a woman outside uh, of that setup and so i mean like i feel like there is this kind of confusion that is the only space we sort of see it in other space other time that we kind of looked at bisexuality i think was one in fire and then um after fire i mean girlfriend was lesbian lesbian character but after fire we saw margarita with a straw and you know and margarita with a straw i thought i personally thought that okay this is the first time maybe there is a sensitive representation of a bisexual person but i met the filmmaker at some some like uh, discussion and the filmmaker was like oh no this person is not bisexual they are confused and uh, for me it was like okay you know uh, one thought that okay maybe this can this can be a kind of character but like not at least in within that discussion that it was like a teenager who is going through uh, you know understanding and things like that i feel like the resistance to the bisexual character itself is simply because i think the people who are writing those stories uh, i don't think they are very uh, let's say i don't want to say familiar but uh, i don't think that they have been they are consciously not biphobic i think they haven't consciously engaged with the bisexual community in that kind of way so a lot of people who are making a bisexual character which is similar to i think the space around by the bisexual bias in activism is like okay if like there's nothing different about being a bisexual it's just the same like you are you are just a person who's now in a relationship with woman it's just like lesbian but you could be in a relationship with man but i think that there are so many layers to that bisexuality which is like kind of completely missing and then we have this other type which is like oh you've got married you know so you are eventually either you are going to be in a marriage or you are eventually going to get married those are the only two types we have but there are bisexual women who are not married i think that visibility is just not there and bisexual men is even more worse like i think when i saw karan johar's film like it actually makes it look like okay they are just cheaters or i don't know like you know not uh, and the the problem is that especially with mainstream cinema when you have the budget you can research on the characters there is more than ample community support available and then when your character is sort of written with that kind of lens then you feel like disappointed and sure i mean i have disappointment but the consequences are very far reaching it like i think it makes a kind of certain impression in the minds of people and i think like they they shy away from taking accountability for the consequences that we face you know because they didn't do their homework and yeah so i mean like i'm kind of happy that little, i mean it's moving to at least having some good representation so for example like there's this web series called feels like ish which came out and it had one uh, uh, queer sort of story within that that was really cool then i think ajit dastans had uh, like one representation around being dalit and being lesbian um so i thought that like it started to change a little bit and one was feeling very good but then right in the middle bang in the middle of that we had a film by ram gopal verma which is like it's a lesbian murder film but when you look at the posters of the film basically you know it's uh, the imagery is very like you know you're hypersexualizing the community and there's this kind of sensationalism and sexuality uh, hypersexuality that you are attach- attaching to the community 
so yeah one feels that you you are going few steps ahead and then we are coming like like we feel like you just when you are thinking oh the country is progressing the stories are more starting to become little more inclusive just right then you know you are like reminded that oh like you know progress is really a long way and i think you know also like i mean i know people are going to hate me for saying this that i think like when gay films are make filmmakers are making lesbian films while the stories are cool and all very sweet and i think coming from a good place they really don't know how women kiss i mean i think that when the physical intimacy that i'm seeing like by the films at least the indian films that gay men have made made where there are lesbians i just feel that you know just like i mean like that's where i sort of relate with kalki that in that body language one can see that there is a difference you know and so so one is hoping that like i i'm still yet to see a film even these all these series are same i'm yet to see a film where i feel that you know the bodies of of and the intimacy that is on screen is authentic i have not seen it yet you know yeah i totally understand uh, what you're saying about the uh, uh, filmmakers being cisgendered or uh, uh, cis gay male and making a film on lesbian or bisexual uh, you are, want to say something arshit sorry yeah sorry i just wanted to say that uh, in the west they work with binaries you have to be either gay or straight and that's what sells and it's all about selling and in the east we all often follow the western model especially when it comes to representing sexuality or you know when we're finding our 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 feet and finding our voice uh you know in this patriarchal world post colonial world so get stuck in that idiotic binary but bisexuality is very much part of our south asian middle eastern asian general culture because if you look at the major kind of religions why do they condemn homosexuality right i mean they condemn it because they consider it a choice so if you're considering it a choice then that means that you obviously by default recognize the bisexuality of all human beings and this is where uh, often religious mullahs and those types they get stumped they're like oh my god how did you pose how dare you pose this question how dare you challenge me on my you know my homosexual side because this is where they will you will you will get them you know so having said that you know that's that's why it's easier for people you know just to ignore bisexuality or really they're frightened of bisexuality especially in hetero patriarchal religious societies you know like so having okay so that's one thing i also wanted to address what kalki is talking about which is very 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 important because this is like we need do not need to reinvent the wheel here okay when finding film funding it's all about the noise you make and you use your privilege and your platform kalki you've been in a feature film you use your fans and so on your fan base you know and you have to understand this is a pandemic time a lot of people are struggling but our profession struggles always no matter what however right now it's a very special time for our profession because people are actually sitting at home and consuming profusely so if right now people are not realizing how important filmmakers media makers are then they'll never recognize how important we are we are essential to them staying away staying at home staying safe and that sort of thing 
So, you know, you just need to make a lot of noise and you need to use your resources, bring people, amazing people like the people on this panel and so on together and, and really get your film made, throw those clips out. And really we should have a separate panel on, on how ways to get like, you know, um, your projects off the ground in, in the in most effective ways and try to find funding. I take your words. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. Um, so Ashwin, like, I mean, uh, coming to you, I just want to find out, like, have you seen a change in the uh, representation of South Asian LGBTQ plus films over the last, uh, you've, been a pro, you've been a festival director of Mosaic, uh, the kind of films you're getting. At Kashish, we have been um, getting almost 60 Indian LGBTQ films every year. Six zero Indian LGBTQ films being made every year, out of which we program around uh, 30 of them. Uh, rest are not really up to the mark, but 30 of them, they basically tell a very, very diverse story. Gone are the angst of uh, who am I, what am I? They tell basically, but these are short films. They do not find a market uh, on the mainstream space apart from the film festival circuit. And that's a tragedy. So we want to build those platforms where these short films can be seen. Uh, what has been your uh, uh, reaction? How has the uh, uh, shape of the South Asian LGBTQ narratives changed over the last one decade or something? I think this is very encouraging news, what you're saying, that you're getting so many films. I do think it's a shame that there are not enough feature films. Um, as I was talking about the noise that we create, you know, there's a lot of noise that, uh, you know, BIPOC, uh, Black, Indigenous, and people of color filmmakers in North America are making because they are quite fed up with the way that things have been. And also the programmer of Programmers of Color Collective came together a few years ago also for that same reason, because we were so underrepresented and the kind of films that, for example, big mainstream film festivals keep taking are really narratives that feed into stereotypes. And when they don't understand what our severe struggle is, how serious it is for us to be able to make a piece of work to be so open, to be bold, and what courage it takes for all of us people like Sonal and Kalki to, and yourself to speak out and hold you know, space for people like you and so many others. This is not in the Western you know, narrative. This is, this is not fitting in, especially when you show complex characters that are not in a binary, you know, the evil patriarch, the sweet, you know, abused woman, you know, they just can't get out of that thing. And so, so our stories are still not getting the platforms that they deserve and not getting, you know, the, the push and the, and the love and the curation that they deserve in Western, you know, in the, in the Northern global North, I feel. I feel that it's still a very long way to go, but we are there, as I said, we are there to make noise and to make them take notice that our stories are important. Also the way we tell them are, is important and we are not in a level playing field. We do not have the same uh, you know, privileges that our contemporaries who are not brown, not black, not indigenous have, for example. Uh, yeah, we are all gonna basically talk about BIPOC uh, films per se. We're gonna make a big noise. Um, so Sonal, I mean, uh, I want to just ask you, like, I mean, we usually been blaming the law all the time, you know, uh, Section 377 for marginalizing us. There's a question for both Sonal and Kalki, you know. Uh, we have been blaming the law, the Section 377 for marginalizing us, pushing us underground, 
It's been gone since 2018. What is still stopping us from making more uh, uh, LGBTQ-focused films or making a louder noise? Is it uh, patriarchy or is it just that we have been so uh, undermined for so many decades or centuries that we are not able to yet come up and uh, uh, have our own voice? Sonal, you want to go first? and Yeah, I think that just because the law has changed doesn't mean that people are recognizing their privilege or recognizing uh, the marginalization, right? So I feel like, sure, I'm not saying that since 2018 things haven't changed. I, we are doing, we are definitely seeing the representation, mainstream representation is better. I want to say that. But I don't think it's necessarily been that now you are getting queer actors in the film, films or actors are coming out or, you know, so I think like socially we have not still moved there. And I think that um, it's very important that queer filmmakers do make their films. And I think that they are, we are ready. We are ready to make the films. But I think there are only few funding uh, bodies who are willing to sort of fund. And I'm sure you've been in, in that difficult position where all the queer filmmakers in the country are applying for a grant to you and you have to make that choice, right? And it must be really difficult, right? Like, so, so I mean, like, the thing is that, but there are, I'm sure you must have noticed that there are so many new filmmakers who want to sort of make films, but the reason that it's not kind of getting translated is, is because there isn't enough handholding. I think that more handholding is required and it can't be just Kashish who's doing that. I think that it needs to be part of other film festivals as well, workshops with uh, within these larger mainstream uh, filmmaking spaces where you are recognizing your privilege and making space for uh, queer content, you know. Now, whether it's in the form of a script writing, whether it's in the form of calling queer filmmakers, it's in the form of panels. I think like the mainstream space needs to kind of recognize the platform that they're, you know, give up that platform, give the platform to, I think, people. And and I think like, I mean, frankly, even if they don't, queer filmmakers are going to do their thing anyway. Not, it's not going to sort of stop us. Um, but like, I think it's also the work of privileged people to recognize, you know, uh, that privilege and make that space. So it's, I mean, it's kind of unfair that, you know, 2018, the judgment is gone and the entire onus is still on the queer people to make the noise and, you know, get that kind of uh, support. Whereas I think it needs to be, like, it needs to be a little bit like, uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, it needs to be coming from the mainstream now. I think as a, the, definitely, as you say, the privileges has to be given, and but we also have to snatch the privileges. Obviously, that's both the places. Uh, but uh, yeah, I totally understand and agree with you that like there needs to be, especially the OTT platforms can definitely make more space for LGBTQ plus content. The short films which we are, as I said, thirty short films every year. So Kashish has a bank of four hundred short films or five hundred short films already, which has been there, and we need to put it out. If not a, a mainstream platform, we should start our own OTT platform. We are on the works on that. We'll figure that out. Kalki, what are your thoughts on that? I think what um, just because the law has ch uh, changed and is uh, just because the sexual, you know, same sex is uh, uh, decriminalized, Section 377 is diluted now, doesn't mean that really um, the entire society is going to accept us. I know that more than 70% of the people don't even know 
that uh, Section 377 has been diluted. And they didn't, don't even know what is Section 377, of course. So, um, but they don't know that um, uh, there are lots of media portrayals. There are lots of discussions going on LGBT rights and tra especially trans rights in the country, uh, in television and uh, in other media as well. And lots of trans people are coming out and gay people are coming out too. But the thing with the film industry is that it's, it's so occupied with stereotyping women already. You know, the Indian films are so occupied and um, engaged in that for over so many decades again and again. And even women-based films and women for women directors themselves, it's so difficult, whether they're lesbian or drunk, I mean, whether they're lesbian or bisexual or straight, for women directors, it's so difficult for them to establish themselves as directors. And they have been sidelined and it's, it's a truly a struggle for them. And when it comes to an openly LGBTQI person, I'm talking about openly LGBTQI persons, it's, it's a, entirely a very different story. It's going to be very, very difficult and it has been difficult. And the successes have been very few. And even if they succeed, though they don't, that success does not sustain for the next films. So I think, but still, even though I sound a little bit negative, but I also wanted to say positive, it's positive, because I have so much hope. And I believe that change doesn't have happen overnight. It takes time. I mean, um, in 2019, in September 2019, Section 377 was decriminalized. I mean, same-sex relationships were decriminalized. Homosexuality was decriminalized. But uh, the changes, the progress, the understanding, the acceptance in the society for uh, same-sex relationships will come only eventually. And a lot of things play on that. Our education system, our media representations, our literature, our art, everything plays a major role in uh, upholding our rights. So it's not only our voices that needs to be changed. It's about these stakeholders, these representatives in the society who are very strong and who have a greater influence. Their representation about us is also important. So that is why I believe that we need allies. We need to make a lot of allies from artists, writers, you know, uh, those people who believe in human rights and all that. And that would lead us to more uh, support, more doors opening, more opportunities for us. Um, but I truly believe that times are changing and uh, there will be a lot of filmmakers, a lot of uh, representation for the LGBTQI community in the mainstream form. Thank you so much. I think uh, that's a wonderful note to end the panel discussion on. I just want to mention, Arshad, that we actually screened a Pakistani film called Stray Dogs uh, Come Out at Night, and it won the special mention at Kashish. Basically, it's a wonderful Pakistani film, making films across the South Asian continent, subcontinent, and I'm really happy that like more and more stories are being told. Any of you want to make any closing comments, I would be very happy to hear that. About uh, Arshad, Sonal, Kalki, if you want to just say anything that to conclude the panel discussion, I would be very happy to hear you. I was just going to speak, address um, Kalki's point about allies. That is a really essential point, especially that is, you know, laws will only go so far, right? Legally, but society doesn't change 
through just the implementation of just laws, right? Their religion or uh, cultural prejudices, they are not going to change. Only yes. visibility is going to change people's mindsets, you know, only being out there and being open. And I think that, as Sonal said, there just isn't enough solidarity from these cis folks for LGBTQIA plus representation. She, she, she named a filmmaker. I will not have any judgment on that filmmaker because they could have many reasons for making such a comment. They could be afraid for their, you know, uh, well-being by representing someone, a character in a certain way. So, you know, I think that I wouldn't pass judgment on anybody, but these people now, we are more aware already. Enough voices have stood up, enough noise has been made, and we just need to keep going. And we really, really need our allies to uh, amplify our voices. And we need to build these strong alliances. And we need to, you know, realize that activism and being an LGBTQIA plus identified person is 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 inextricably linked and there's no way to separate that 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 will always be our uh, struggle and we need to see your feature film come true very soon uh, thank you for being, <laughs> working on that and i hope to see the film very soon so then you yes, want to say anything? all the best for that Asha. we're waiting for that <laughs> thank you so much i'm working on a very very cute short film, which is really very personal. I always make personal films and I'm working with a very big Pakistani Canadian actress. And I'm really delighted to be working with this big superstar in a very conscientious wow. LGBTQI plus uh, sweet story. So thank you. I just want to say that like, you know, we are seeing some representation of, um, little representation of brown people of color who are queer, but I think it's still, still like very conflicted characters and definitely non no parental acceptance i think it'd be nice to also have representation of parents who are accepting because in india like i think like the like i think it would make a huge impact to have any of these big platforms having having supportive allies who are indians i think that is completely missing so you know one hopes that we see that soon so funny that you say that sonal because my film is actually about a mother who's going through the five stages of grief from uh, from uh, denial to acceptance when she finds out her son is gay. So I'm also, I really wanted to see a film that was really about a mother embracing her queer child. And that's what I did because I, I, I met this person who was uh, an influencer on Instagram and is a, is a physician and has just come out young person and is completely rejected by their South Asian family. So I thought, okay, I need to make this film now. Really looking forward to it. Can't wait for it to come out soon. Yeah, okay. I totally agree with that parental acceptance because uh, that's again my film Evening Shadows, which is right now streaming on Netflix, is about the mother's struggle. And parents really struggle a lot about, especially since they do not have the uh, resources or knowledge about their children's sexuality, especially in small towns. Uh, and uh, they struggle a lot. And uh, finally, when they accept, it's such joy, you know, uh, it's such joy for the LGBT Oh community. my God, Sridhar, absolutely. Your film, you know, those last 10 minutes of the film, it was just floodgates. What a beautiful <laughs> yeah. story, absolutely. That was very, very beautiful. So thank, thank you for making that. So we all will continue to make films, tell our stories. Uh, thank you, Kalki, Arshad, and Sonal for joining in this panel discussion. 
and uh, sharing your thoughts, your views about why South Asian uh, uh, LGBTQ plus stories are not told enough and we need to tell them more. And we'll all come together for sure to make it happen very soon. So thank you all. And thank you to Doc Leipzig, Germany, for hosting this wonderful panel discussion and amplifying our voices to the larger world. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you, you, thank you for having me. Thank you, Ashita. Thank you, Sonal. It was beautiful being with you all.